fans wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and featuring 12thManRising.com editor and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hello and welcome to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, and I'm here with Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. It's it's kind of wet for my taste. I mean, we've had like the wettest winter ever, but I'm hoping that we'll turn the corner and I can feel the sun already. Yep, but you know what we have bef- probably before the weather turns is the draft. The draft. The draft. Yes. I know. It's going to be awesome because we have our, uh, our inaugural um, mock draft this morning. I know. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So this is the mock draft uh, podcast. But first, we've got a couple of notes um, on uh, current news this week. Keith, what do you got? So yesterday, the Seahawks signed uh, Dion Jordan, who uh, was the third overall pick in the uh, 2013 draft uh, to the Dolphins. A good player in college, a great player in college, super athletic, outside the linebacker. University of Oregon. Isn't that what I said? You said in college, but yeah. Oh, yeah. University of okay. Yeah. I was thinking it. I just didn't say it. But um, <laughs> super, super athletic uh, guy, pass rusher and outside linebacker, kind of uh, like Bruce Irvin, but it never materialized in the NFL. There were some drug suspensions. Uh, then he blew out a knee, and here we are in 2017, and he's a free agent and signing one of those contracts where it's a prove-it deal, prove that you belong in the NFL, prove that you still are worthwhile to have on a roster. And so the Seahawks get a guy that, you know, maybe he doesn't make the team, or maybe if he does, they get a uh, a very, very dynamic playmaker for practically nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the last time Seattle really kind of did this and it worked, it was uh, Mike Williams, kind of back in the day where we gave Mike Williams another little shot. He would kind of hadn't really done anything uh, since he was drafted. He came in and actually was pretty productive. Uh, for us uh, during, I think, that just that one year, correct? Yeah, and then the second year, he, everything totally fell apart uh, for yeah. him. But he was, he was good that, that first year in 2010. Uh, the other player who you could fit in that category would be Al- Alan Branch, the defensive tackle, uh, the three-tech, because he was a second-round pick and kind of a, a wasted pick, and then he showed up in Seattle, and they got some you know good play out of him, some good use out of him, and now he's in New England, so... And he, yeah, I was going to say he's been uh, doing it now after Seattle for what, four or five years. So, yep, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, Deion Jordan's a, a kind of a great little project for Seattle to work on. We we definitely need some help at his spot, and if it turns out great, if not, we can cut him, no problem. Um, and I hope it works out for him, just as a human being, you know, uh, apart from football. Uh, I like to see a guy like that uh, turn out. So. Um, the other little note that I had was uh, Seahawks are bringing in a, a quarterback of note because of where he might fall in the draft. If he was going to fall outside of the, the draft as a, a priority undrafted free agent, I probably wouldn't say anything at all. But this guy, Davis Webb, quarterback from Cal, Seahawks are bringing him in for a visit. And I thought it was somewhat unusual because 
he looks like he's at the end of the first round, top of the second round kind of a, a guy. And I'm wondering why they may have brought him in. Well, what I think they're doing there is uh, looking at guys that San Francisco and Arizona are looking at. Because, you know, if the 49ers are going to draft him or if the, the, uh, the Cardinals are, the Seahawks want a chance to scout them and get to know them and see what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are and that kind of stuff. Because you're going to play the, the, them uh, twice a year. And I think that's really what's going on here. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's got some... He'd be an, uh, a pretty decent project, but he's more of a pocket guy than, than say, the Seahawks would be looking at, especially with uh, our current backup, which would be Boykin. He's not that. He's he's definitely a guy that's going to stand in the pocket. He's 6'5", 225, something there. Runs a four seven nine forty. so he's really not going to you know, get you a lot of scramble opportunities. Uh, but a very decent prospect, got a high completion percentage and lots of yards and TDs and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting to, to see kind of what they're thinking. Maybe they're using it as kind of a, a leverage kind of a deal um, with teams that might want to move up into the 26th spot um, so they at least have a really good scouting report on him before the draft. So um, with that said, we've got a pretty decent podcast today. I think we're, we're really going to um, have a good one. Uh, on the mock draft, um, just to set it up a little bit, Keith. Well, go ahead, Keith. Why don't you set it up? Okay, so here's what we did. We uh, simultaneously both uh, did a mock draft on FirstPick.com, so it's a draft simulator. Uh, we both picked for the Seattle. We both said, "Hey, you can have two trades uh, during it," and you know, so we did them kind of at the same time. We sent them to each other, and lo and behold, we picked just about the same exact trades. And that um, was crazy. Yeah, it really was. And we came up with some really, <laughs> uh, really interesting players. Uh, and but it's some very, very our, our drafts are have a lot in common, which I thought was pretty interesting too. Um, I think it just kind of shows you just how in tune we we kind of are to the the Seahawks methodology like the way that they like to trade back a little bit, pick up some value, the kind of players that they're looking for. And I think that's, uh, for the listeners, what we're trying to do here in the mock is really kind of identify players that the Seahawks would be interested in. Uh, they kind of scheme fit guys, guys with high athletic uh, ability. Um, so with that said, let's set this up uh, with our trade, our first trade back. So uh, originally, Seahawks have native picks at uh, first round, number 26 overall, second round pick, third round pick, uh, a couple of third round comp picks, a sixth round pick, and a seventh. So no fourth and fifth. So later, we've got another trade back that'll help us with that. But our first trade back was a trade with Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland uh, came to us with... Uh, an offer for the 26th overall pick and the uh, a, a move around in the second round. Um, so they took our 26th overall pick in the second round as well, and we moved up a little bit. So we ended up with the top pick in the second round, uh, number 33 overall, the number 20 pick in the second round, number 52 overall, and also an additional third round pick, number one uh, pick in the third round, number 65 overall. So we picked up some great value to move back seven spots. And go ahead, Keith, 
What's our, what do we do with the first pick? So, uh, not surprisingly, both of us picked the same player. Um, so with the, in the second round, the Seahawks first pick was, so it's the first pick over our first pick of the second round overall, we both picked Kevin King, the cornerback out of Washington. So, uh, this is a, a local guy. So it was someone that, uh, our listeners probably know something about since he played his college ball here in Seattle and he's six, three, he's hyper athletic, just, you know, jumps off the board as far as his athleticism. I think it was like the 99.6th percentile overall. So he's got a 4.340, a 39-inch vertical uh, jump, 6'3", 200 pounds. So he's got great height, weight, speed combo. Yeah, a lot of length involved in, in them. I mean, he is probably the closest thing to Richard Sherman since Richard Sherman, uh, just athletically and his height and everything. Uh, and he's just a perfect fit. Uh, in Seattle's defense, so I liked him a little bit as well because he offered up some diversity at uh, the University of Washington, where he started uh, at his experience playing four different positions, and you know, including safety. And so um, we know that uh, Pete uh, really likes to be able to have guys that can come in and play a number of different spots. Although I agree with Keith, is that this is kind of a Richard Sherman kind of guy, uh, potentially be your lockdown number one corner. Um, if anything should happen uh, to to Richard Sherman. As we know, Richard Sherman's kind of name has been uh, rolling around there with trade possibilities, as well as he's getting close to 30 years old, entering in a couple of years a new contract situation. So uh, this is actually a really decent pick, I think. Yeah, it really sets the team up uh, long-term there. It gives them someone that they can start. And I... This whole draft was was done under the assumption that Sherman's going to stay in Seattle. Yes. If, uh, and even with him staying in Seattle, they need another corner. And so they get a guy that they can start from day one opposite Sherman. And if they trade Sherman next year or he walks after two years, they've, they've got a guy who definitely looks like he can just slide over and take over the Sherman role in this defense. Did you have any other guys that you were looking at in that first round that you would have considered? Uh, there were a couple. Um, you know, of course, the Seahawks need offensive line, so I was kind of looking to see who dropped I there. Have, I did have so. Bolt still in my draft when I when I did my pick. He was sitting there, and I really looked hard at him because I know that we have a need there, but the value to me was uh, weighed on to Kevin King. Yeah, and the, the Seahawks, I mean, they need... They need an offensive tackle. It, there's there's no way around that. But at the same time, this year's offensive line class is pretty poor. And so you get a guy like Bowles who's already 26 um, before he's ever played an NFL game. And the success rate for older players, no matter how good their college tape is, is just it's just really really low. So that's a huge red flag for me. So and the de- and the defense in this year's draft is. Definitely king of the pile. I mean, oh yeah, uh, this is the place. Uh, this is a draft where we could load up on some some defensive talent. And quite frankly, the Seahawks have have fallen off a little bit on their defense. Now, while they ranked really high in points allowed and all that kind of stuff, still, uh, you could sense kind of a shift in the defense where we've lost our edge a little bit. And I think this is a defense where we could, or excuse me, a draft where we could take advantage of. Uh, having it be a, a defense-heavy draft and infuse the the team with some additional talent. Yeah, because the the defense is they've got their core players, but then every you know kind of the 
the group underneath them, the supporting cast underneath the core players has really kind of fallen apart. So this is the type of draft where they can come in and restock and return and turn that defense back into one that's just absolutely feared uh, every Sunday. And I think that's that's kind of uh, what I was looking at with this draft and trying to to do. And I know that you know our listeners will be like, "Oh, where's the offensive line?" But you know, there's some pieces in there. It's just a matter of finding the right fits and you know finding some projects that you think can de- can develop. So as we move forward, our next pick is uh, the 17th pick now in the second round. And I went with a player. uh, We kind of both had kind of the same idea, two different players. Um, I went with Tyus Bowser, outside linebacker, uh, University of Houston, for my 17th pick in the second round. And I thought, uh, here's a guy, here's a need. Number one, we need uh, an edge rusher, outside linebacker type. This guy's 6'3", 247, runs a 6'5", 40, 33 and a quarter arms. He really is explosive, quick tit, uh, twitch type guy, um, sparks up really well. Uh, he can play the edge, set the edge on a 4'3", or play outside linebacker, so he's got some diversity in there. I really liked him. Yeah, I mean, he's a uh, definitely a good player uh, out of Houston, and... He's one of those guys that were on my radar, but I'll tell you, when I did my draft, he was already taken. He he went a couple picks before I picked, uh, so I went in a different direction. I picked up uh, Derek Rivers, who is an, almost an identical player athletically um, out, out of Youngstown State, and so he is a little bit more of a project because of the level of competition, but at the same time, his tape is really good. I mean, he is really smooth athletically and with his hips. And he's a guy that, I mean, he's raw in coverage because they didn't make him do it. But when you, the rare occasion when he's out in space, he looks natural out there. So uh, I think so he's he, a guy if, that can definitely play. I mean, if he can transfer that small college uh, domination into the NFL, I agree. I mean, he really wasn't under uh, in my radar. I'll be honest, but at third team uh, AP, he's got 58 tackles, 19 and a half for loss, 14 sacks. I mean, that's some production. Mm-hmm. Well, and you look at Bobby Wagner was a small school. I mean, not quite Youngstown State small, but Utah State's not exactly a um, a huge football power, but. Uh, he came in and and started right away and was was instantly good. So I think linebacker is one of those positions where you can get guys from smaller schools and have them uh, transition fairly quickly. And Rivers is a special athlete. He really is. I think he's a guy that can can definitely make that transition. I read Todd McShay's three uh, three round mock this morning, and he had us taking Derek Rivers in the third round. In the third, so, hmm. yeah. Now he's right there in that in that pocket, mm-hmm. uh, value pocket. So uh, it's it's on the radar. So let's let's keep an eye out for him. Definitely. So where do we go from there? So then there is the the other pick that or the other yeah the other pick that we got from Cleveland in our in our first round trade is uh, the first overall pick in the third round. And again, we both had the same idea, but a different player. Um, I went with um, Aleko Witherspoon. The, the cornerback out of Colorado, and he, I like that guy. He he's a player I really like, and the fact that he was available uh, at the start of the third round was kind of shocking. Uh, he and Kevin King are almost mirrors. I mean, he's a little a little thinner, uh, but man, is he good? He's sick. Another six three guy who can run, who you know plays the press well. 
definitely a guy who can play on the boundary and and fits very well with Seattle's uh, cover three uh, system. And, you know, to get both him and King together in the same draft is it's like getting when the when the Seahawks got um, uh, Sherman and uh, Byron Maxwell in the same draft. I mean, you're getting so two, you've, two really quality players. So you've set yourself up for a number one and number two corner going forward. Yep. That's and, amazing. And, and that's that was what soon when I saw he was there. Were there other needs? Absolutely. Were there other guys who I really liked in that spot? Definitely. But when he was still available, it was just too good to pass up. I had to. I had to to move on that one. You know, and that's that's similar to what uh, Schneider looks at in the draft. I mean, he's got his board and it's got it's all set up, and it just depends on how it falls to you. You know, if you've got value there that you can't ignore, de- independent of need, you've got to sometimes take the best player available. And if and if that's a, a player that you've duplicated on your roster, sometimes you just got to pull that trigger. You know, yep. if a guy like Witherspoon sitting there. It's hard to pass out. So, but you took another player, another cornerback, and one that was really intriguing. So, why don't you go ahead and and say? Well, what that I is. looked. I did the same thing you did, and I looked at that, and my board had a Dory Jackson on there, and I'm intrigued with this guy only be, uh, because he's got the the height, weight, speed combo that I just couldn't uh, couldn't ignore. In addition to that, he's got some amazing kick return ability and that tipped the scales for me and i completely just to be honest i can't remember if witherspoon was available to me at that point or not but to me a dory jackson just slightly tipped the scales only because of that return uh situation he's got eight career return touchdowns he's you know first team all pack 10 all american with five interceptions 11 pass breaks up he's just one of the best athletes in college dynamic player i think uh, rob Statton said that he thought that he was like the defense's version of percy harvin just wow. a, just sheer athletic return type of guy that can really uh put him right in there as a uh nickel corner slot uh, cover the slot receivers um, he can do handle your returns, both punt and kickoff. So he could really be on the field 60, 70, 75% of the, uh, the plays. And I just thought that was tremendous value at the top of the third round. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, the reason why I went Witherspoon over Jackson was because you're, um, Witherspoon's a guy who maybe not in year one, but definitely from year two and the rest of his career, I see as a starter, as a very high end starter. Um, and so I went with that, whereas Jackson is a nickel guy. He's a guy that's going to play in the slot. And so I'm like, okay, you get a guy that can play 100% of the snaps versus a guy that's going to play about 70 to 75. I took the guy that was going to play 100% of the snaps. But uh, Jackson is a really intriguing player, and it's it would actually fill a need because you know if they get Kevin King to play outside, having a guy that can play in the slot and uh, you know push – Jeremy Lane in that nickel corner spot. I, I totally agree. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's it. It was a very intriguing pick. So moving on, my pick or your pick? Well, let's do mine because you got the same player, but not at okay. the same spot. I can't. <laughs> well, we're gonna first of all though. Let's go to the uh, let's do three twenty six. I think oh. we kind of skipped over that. Where oh, we did. Chose a noble. Yeah. Uh, and I can't even pronounce his last name. <laughs> so, okay. So, I've heard, you're right. I've completely skipped over a player there. So, um, 
So it's at 326, I picked Noble Nwakachu, as I believe how it's pronounced. Um, he's a defensive end, pass rusher, uh, a little bit bigger, so he can um, he can maybe slide inside it at, uh, at times, although he's not quite Michael Bennett as far as being able to do that. But he's a you know outside pass rusher, edge guy, a guy who can just get to the quarterback, and that's that's what he does. Him, so and you put him in the rotation right away. I would put him into the rotation right away. To me, with a combination of him and then Rivers um, up in the second round, it really pushes Cassius Marsh out of a job, uh, and I'm okay with that because that means that Marsh has to either come in and prove that he belongs, or he's there as an uh, injury replacement if if one of these guys gets hurt. So, yep. So awesome. that's, that's my pick, Noble Nuwakachu. I, you know, I I like that pick. But at this point in the draft, what I was looking for specifically was a safety because I didn't have any safeties yet on my uh, my draft, and I really didn't want to leave the draft without a safety because we have a pretty decent need there. And so I was really trying to find value in the safety class, and I didn't find it at this point in the draft. And um, I really wanted to be able to trade one of my thirds as well to drop back in the in the draft and get some more picks. But I at this point in the draft, I had a player on my radar that was available, and I went ahead and pulled the trigger on it. And that was Rasul Douglas, cornerback out of Virginia. And I <laughs> I know that we already picked Kevin King, and I had already picked Dory Jackson in my draft. Um, you've got Witherspoon in yours, but. I couldn't pass up the value here. Um, a guy that was on my radar uh, quite a bit. He's a, he's tall, has length, runs a decent 40, had major production, 16 interceptions the last two years, eight in 2016, led the country. He can high point the ball. He's got good ball skills. Um, so that's what I did. And I, we, I tripled up on cornerback in this draft. And I thought to myself ahead of time, I could definitely see myself leaving the draft with three corners and it just happened a little sooner than I thought. I was going to wait until the, the end of the draft and pick up a, a guy, but it was too, too good to pass up. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, Douglas has been on my radar since about October when I first started, you know, getting my scouting done and everything because this is a, he's a former receiver who just has ball skills and it's pretty rare. And, you know, he, he you definitely grew into uh, being a cornerback over the last couple of seasons, and he looks pretty solid. And he went down to the Senior Bowl uh, and just had an amazing week. Like not just in the game, but yeah, in the practice. I mean, he was the guy. He looks that, good yeah. on film too. He, he, he really does. Yep. So he's he's a little raw um, yep. overall, and but I thought honestly, I, I, don't I thought really I came care. out of the dra- <laughs> I thought I came out of the draft with my three future starters. I've got King uh, to take over for Sherman. I've got uh, Dory Jackson to take over for Jeremy Lane. And I've got Douglas in case Shed. It's kind of a hedge against Shed. Um, and that's kind of the way I felt about it. And I thought, you know, I could definitely live with that. That's My, my mock is probably unrealistic, I think, maybe slightly, uh, with those three corners at the top. But... That's the, that's the way it came out. So yeah, you know, sometimes it's all about how how the board drops to you, and and the fact that that Douglas dropped and was sitting there for you, it's, it would be hard to pass up. He was not available at that point when I drafted. At least I don't believe he was because I thought I remembered seeing him go early um, 
in round three, like right after I picked up Witherspoon. But that's a, it's a good player, and it's a you know you also end up in a situation. Douglas is a guy that I think can play free safety. Uh, I mean, he can definitely play yeah. corner, but I think he can play free safety as well. He's a physical guy, can can tackle, uh, you know, good size. So it might be one of those things where he slides into the Deshaun Shed role from before Shed became a starter and quarterback, where he well, plays both. So and and all of a sudden, uh, we go into the draft with question marks all over that backfield uh, for the Seahawks, and I'm leaving the draft with all this talent, and you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just, in fact, I I can definitely see the Seahawks leaving the draft with three defensive backs, you know, a, a safety and a couple of corners. And so oh, absolutely. I, I totally actually expect them to do that. So right now in the draft, we've got our second trade back. And so I'll set that up. So originally we had uh, in the third round, pick 26, pick 38 and pick 42, no fourth or fifth rounders. So we decided uh, to trade our number 38 pick in the third round which is a comp pick number 102 overall to carolina and seattle out of that trade uh gets the number eight pick in the fourth round number eight pick in the fifth round and the number eight pick in the sixth round so we got value we had an extra pick there in the third and turned that into quite a bit of uh of draft for that Stock. Yeah, it's a matter of it, it, it's it, you're trading back kind of far to go from where we were in um, in the third all the way back to the eighth pick in the fourth. But to get those two extra picks was was huge. If you look at the difference between Seattle's last pick in the third round, which we're not two yet, but that uh, the pick forty two in round three to pick twenty six in round six, those were two consecutive yep. picks for for Seattle. There's a hundred and six picks in between those two selections. And that was way too much. It, it, a trade down in this area it was going to have to happen. And, and we didn't talk about that ahead of time. And we, and uh, it was amazing because we came back with the trade back yep. in our independent mocks. And it was almost identical, uh, give, or, give or take one or two picks difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, it, it was one of those things you had to do. And then the other half of that is the Seahawks go, are going into this draft with uh, seven picks. And... If you look at John Snyder's um, history, I think he averages like 9.2 picks per draft. He says he wants 10 every year, but it always ends up at around just over 9. You know, the average is just over 9. So the idea that the Seahawks are going to move back and they're going to pick up some extra selections was definitely there. And especially in a draft like this this year where you have a lot of really good, especially defensive talent, that so you're when you're picking in the third fourth you're getting guys that might have been at the end of end of round two in a normal year uh, so you want that extra depth on your draft board so I think this pick made a lot of sense for Seattle or sorry this so at, the trade made a lot of sense so at three forty two what did you got so I got a player that you got actually got um, a pick, One later. pick later in my mock yep yep so uh, I this is a Kind of a reach, I guess, for me because it's you know a little early. But I finally went offensive line here at the end of round three, and I got um, Isaac. Uh, I don't remember how to pronounce that last name. I know we talked about Azada. it. Yeah. Azada. 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 Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. The um, Asada. Yeah. The the guard out of Utah, uh, a guy who's got some athletic uh, athleticism, so he fits 
the uh, zone blocking scheme Seattle runs. He's not overly flashy, which is why he's you know there at the end of the end of round three. But he's got some skills, got some talent, got some athleticism. Uh, I like what I see from him on his film, and I think he's probably the second, maybe the third best guard available in this draft and that depends on how you slot some of the tackles and whether you think they're going to move inside yeah um but he's he's a good player and a guy that can come in and if the seahawks don't draft a tackle early then they're probably going to have to move um jermaine effetti out to right tackle and you need someone else to uh at guard and although that's probably going to be uh abushi who they signed as a free agent you still need depth underneath that and yep. I think that's, you know, what they get here is a depth player this year who can develop into a starter down the road. Well, this is definitely a Tom Cable guy. I mean, here's a nasty, aggressive, hardworking guy. Play both guard spots, can play center um, eventually um, if, if needed. And I like it. I mean, I like the pick. And uh, it gave Utah a formidable um line offensive line with with their other tackle there i can't remember his name right off the top of my head sorry garrett bowles yeah bowles um you know him and bowles created some serious running lanes yeah oh, yeah I, I i like the pick and it's a great value at this spot in the draft yeah i'm I, you got better value so what uh you because you got him well uh, pick, i, I took a later. player that was injured but um has Definitely some some decent potential. If if not injured, possibly you could say you could argue would have been at the at the end of the first round, middle you know at the latest second round pick. I chose uh, Jake Butt, tight end out of Michigan, um, and and here's a guy that it was an, an extremely consistent performer. In 2015, he had 51 catches for 600 plus yards, three touchdowns. In 2016, before he was hurt, he had 46 catches for 546 yards, four TDs. He did tear his ACL in the Citrus Bowl, dropped his value in the draft, couldn't work out, may or may not be available uh, for camp and or the start of the season, but he's a smart guy. He was a team co-captain. He, I had him comp to uh, Zach Miller. Uh, guy that can both catch and block. Yep. Um, I have him to Tyler Eifert, uh, who is a guy who can catch and block. Because um, he's, he's a little quicker than Zach Miller. Maybe not quite. I mean, let's face it. Zach Miller is, was a guy who was he was a better blocker than a lot of right tackles in the NFL. And um, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on a rookie tight end. But, uh, you know, he, this is a guy who can definitely play. But you are looking at a medical red shirt. Yeah, I, um, I, I thought for rookie, sure they'd. So. I, I thought for sure they'd try to figure out a way to to keep him on uh, injured reserve this year, only because we don't necessarily need him this year. Mm-hmm. Yep, but so, he was too much of a value to pass up at that oh, point in the draft. He, just a really, really good player, and uh, to be able to get a guy like that who, and especially since you know he's not going to eat a roster spot because the best case scenario is that he ends up on the pup list and then comes off at mid season and you get, he gets a little bit of playing time. Uh, and then of that's, course, uh, that's, that's, I think exactly what they would do if they got him. Mm-hmm. And so he's not going to guy who's going to eat up a roster spot, but he's such a talented player that you're looking a year in advance and saying, this is a guy that we can kind of build our team around. 
So with the with my next pick, the the fourth round number eight pick overall that we uh, we did get, um, I went ahead and uh, used that on the offensive guard from Utah, Isaac Asada or As. Asiata. Let's go with Asiata. There we go. There we go. Um, That sounds right. Isaac Asiata. So that's where I I found that. And that wasn't too far back from where you got him. I don't know if he's going to be available there, but that would be a great get at that point in the draft. He was there for my mock, so I took him. Yeah, I'm looking because that's that's about 10 picks later uh, than where I got him. So it's it's better value and, you know, it's a good player. Um, in that same spot, I finally went and got a safety. I went and got uh, Marcus May, who's uh, the free safety out of Florida. He has a free safety's instincts and, uh, you know, playmaking ability and speed, but he does it in a strong safety's body. I mean, he's a, uh, a little bit bigger of a guy and you know, kind of physically imposing and He's, I think know, at this point skills. in the draft, I think at this point in the draft, that's a great pickup. I mean, that guy's a first-team All-American. Yeah. And I really didn't. He wasn't even on my radar, really. Well, when I watched his film, what I saw is there were a few times when he took some bad angles, and so therefore, you know, he, you know, you're you're not you're not running a straight line. You're having to run the curve because you you know tried to cut him off a little too soon, and and so there's there's going to be some questions about him, and I think that's why he dropped to this uh, point, but. Seriously, he is he looks like a good player and and you know, he's also he also drops some interceptions, so you people are like, "Oh, well maybe he doesn't have the ball skills, but I, I don't know. You're you're talking about uh you're in day 3 of the draft and you're picking up a player who has the talent physically and some of the tape to suggest he could be a starter in the NFL." Yeah. No, I agree. You know, and he was the number 7th ranked safety overall by nfl.com. And I learned that after you submitted your mock to me. I kind of looked him up a little bit. I mean, he's got that uh, production, 82 tackles, got two interceptions, six pass block or uh, breakups, five forced fumbles, which tells me he's, he's an aggressive tackler, physical guy. Um, and um, on NFL.com, his pre- player profile said that he had sideline to sideline burst. Mm-hmm. So I assume he's, he's got what it takes. You know, at that point in the draft, that's a good value. I thought so. And it just he's a guy that to me when I when I looked at him is he is uh Kelsey McCray cuz he can play both positions physically and uh therefore it just makes a lot of sense and with his speed and size it just sounds like a special teams guy that so he can carve out a role uh as a rookie and you know as the Seahawks kind of figure out where to work him in. So it just made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, as we moved into the fifth round, I don't know about you, but for me, I saw a drop off. I saw kind of a ledge there where um, now we're taking a look at at some kind of priority free agent kind of picks, some projects, guys that do maybe one thing really well, maybe other things not so well, guys that uh, could be on the Seahawks radar, but um, you could go a number of different ways at this point in the draft. And so really I was just trying to find players that could come in, if not to provide viable backup, maybe play special teams, that sort of thing. I had one player left on my board that was kind of a target as we entered the fifth round. And he dropped to me at at the the eighth pick. And that was uh, Julian Davenport. Uh, He's an offensive tackle out of Bucknell. So another little tiny school guy. 
the reason why he's on my radar is because he's the type of guy that Tom Cable will like because he's super athletic and he's got those, you know, feet, you know, quick feet and everything that you want out of an uh, offensive tackle. But he played at Bucknell and he's a guy with NFL talent playing at a tiny school. So he's he's te- got his technique. He's is got poor. like a he's got a center in the NBA wingspan too. He's got like an 84 inch wingspan. Absolutely, which is one of the things I you know first noticed when I was you know trying to pick out players to, to go watch tape on a, a few months ago is was that. But he's a project because he could pretty much do very little and dominate uh, in his league. And so he, well, he's a prospect. He's a, he's a prospect with at least um, experience. I mean, yes. a lot of the prospects we've turned to in the past have been defensive line conversion type deals. And you don't really have to do that with this guy. Or basketball players. Uh, <laughs> That's true. So, so yeah, I think of him. I think I thought of him as you know George Fant, but not quite as as projecty. Um, so he, but he was on my radar, and so he was kind of the last player that wasn't, you know, let's just go find some guys that fit. Like he was a guy I actually wanted. Um, you picked up a player who was on my, used to be on my radar years ago. A, a fantastic story off the field. Uh, yeah, he, I really like. I I think so too. Um, you know, again, at this point in the draft, I'm looking for players that are kind of sea hockey players. And the eighth pick in the fifth round, I chose James Conner, running back out of Pitt. He's six two and two hundred and thirty three pounds, got some speed. But the thing I was intrigued about with this guy is he overcame Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, and uh, you know he'll continue to have to be you know, medically monitored and so forth. But I like stories like that. I really do. Um, and he increased his production. Um, well, I mean, he had really tremendous production as a sophomore at 1,700 yards and 26 TDs, dropped off a little bit at uh, just over 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards in 2016, uh, but was a team captain. He's got, you know, he's a willing blocker and pass pro. He's a big, huge guy. Uh, it seems to hit the the whole physically on the tape that I watched. And um, at that point in the draft, I'm not looking for a starter necessarily, but I'm looking for a guy that can contribute on special teams, a guy that, um, you know, in our running back situation, it seems like we need a lot of bodies in there and see who emerges. See, here's the thing is I actually think you did get a starter, just not at running back because he, so uh, he actually uh, tore his ACL uh I think at the last game of his sophomore year. And when he came back, he didn't have quite the uh, agility that he did before. This is one, like, he just, he just isn't the same kind of player. Uh, And I look at him and I go, you know what? He's like, I think he was, uh, you said it was 334. I'm like, gain six pounds, get yourself up, or sorry, I said three, 234. 234. Uh, Gain six pounds, get yourself up to 240 go be our starting fullback because yep. he he just clobbers people uh you know would be tacklers like linebackers just do not and the, want and a wicked stiff arm yeah they just do not want to tackle him and add a little bit of weight he's got you know decent speed but he doesn't necessarily have the ability to make guys miss well yes yeah, a fullback you don't have to make guys miss run people over and i think he can do that and i think I think that could be his future in the NFL cuz i think he has a chance to be a really good fullback if he goes that route. So we'll see. Interesting. So at this point in the draft, things got weird. Things got almost be- creepy because we picked the be- same three players for our last right. three picks. Which is nuts. Because at this point in the draft, you're just looking for guys that, you know, 
yep. guys that can even have a remote chance of playing. And we ended up with a three, three guys. It, it was kind of uncanny. So, yeah, but, and uh, it's, it's definitely a little weird, but at the same time you look at it and you go, well, at least for me, what I did is I, I go, let's find sea hockey guys who are, you know, guys that athletically fit what Seattle does. And, um, you know, maybe meet it, maybe meets a need, someone I have a position I haven't picked up yet, type of thing. But definitely, I was just looking for the Seahawk player, and that's what I got with all three of them. And then I, you know, you came through with the same exact three guys, although I think our order on the last two were slightly different, but right, whatever. Well, what, what did we do with that last <laughs> pick of that, that traded pick, the uh, the eighth pick in the sixth round? So we both went with Robert Davis, who's a wide receiver out of Georgia State. Um, Tall guys, I think he's six three. Uh, runs three two nineteen. Yeah, four, so four four forty. So he's a big guy. He runs uh, fast in a straight line. Usually, guys like that don't tend to be route runners, or they have really bad hands, or you know, there's always there, there's always that issue. But then you look at like his three cone drill, and I think he was like six point eight six. So he's under seven, which is really good for a guy his height, and especially to get him that late in the um, in the draft, his routes aren't polished, but you know, he I, had a 41 inch vertical too. Yeah. So he can, I mean, I mean, that's, that's elite for that size. Yes, it is. So he's an, he's an athletic guy. And, um, uh, I just thought I looked at that and I go, that's a guy who can get down the field in a hurry and make plays on special teams. He's a guy who can come in and stretch the field, um, uh, on offense or provide a, a jump ball situation kind of thing. And there, there's a role for him there. And especially if he gets a chance to develop over a year or so before he's asked to play much, I mean, you're looking at a guy who possibly could develop into a Jermaine curse role. One stat so. that popped for me was that he averaged 43.8 yards per catch on his five touchdowns in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, guy wow. gets downfield. Yep. Right, so if you got a you know your fifth receiver on the team, um, you put him on the practice squad for a year. Um, so a guy like that, if you can get a little bit of production like that, a guy that can come on and be a, your big possession type receiver um, doesn't necessarily have to run completely precise routes. If he's got that four four forty, he can be a, and, and that size and, and vertical. Uh, that guy could go down the field and, and pick some stuff up out of the air for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, with the next pick, go ahead. I'll say with the next two picks, um, I got them in one order and you got them in the other order. So yeah, we're looking at right. the, at the end of round six and the beginning of round seven. So the twenty sixth pick of round six and the eighth pick of round seven. Uh, at this point, we're looking. You're in the priority uh, free agent range. These are guys that you want. You would sign them as undrafted free agents, but you're not quite sure if they're going to get there or you think, okay, if they do get to free agents, they might not come to Seattle. So we're going to use a pick on them. And uh, so the first one for me, and of course, the second one from you was um, Jeremiah Ledbetter, uh, defensive and defensive tackle out of Arkansas. Uh, He's, uh, I saw him purely as a defensive tackle. Uh, he is a, he's only about 280 though. So he's definitely undersized offers next to nothing in, uh, as a run stopper because he just doesn't have the anchor gets pushed all over the place. But 
where he has value is as a pass rusher on the inside. He's got a really quick first step. He's yep. really active with his hands, does a good job of, of jumping into gaps and, and getting penetration. And he's a guy that I, I think can rotationally step in right away, despite the fact that we're getting him so late in the draft. Right. Well, I think he's a little raw and needs coached up, but he's, and I see him kind of as a three tech and maybe a base end. I mean, it, it, it depends on, on what they see him as, but he's got an excellent rip move. Like you said, he's got the ability to, to push the pocket. And at that point in the draft, you're looking for that raw ability. Um, and that, to me, that's what he is at this point. And mm-hmm. so we'll see how he coached, gets coached up. Um, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I- You really never know. I don't think he has the speed to play end and rush the passer because he just he just won't be able to get around the corner into the quarterback Re- in time. Remind me, Keith, though, what was that player we used to have when Pete first showed up that we had to set the edge, but um, was really didn't fit the athletic profile that they currently have out there. Uh, Red, um, Red Bryant. Red Bryant. He's, yeah. He reminds me of a little bit of a Red Bryant player. Yeah, I mean he, he's two eighty, whereas Red Bryant was three thirty. Uh, with a big two gapping. Uh, guy that they stuck over there at the five tech which was kind of awesome i could see <laughs> i if if ledbetter is going to play end, it's going to be against the run especially like short yardage type of situations uh but i see him more as a a, a three tech uh pass rusher or yeah, possibly even or possibly even a, a rotational nose tackle pass rusher so kind of a clinton mcdonald role yes exactly i was just gonna say that yep so and the and the last pick uh, for you and the second to last pick for me, just kind of a reverse order was Zane Gonzalez kicker out of Arizona state. And the reason that I went with Zane is he was the best value at that point in the draft. And he's a, you know, record holder for the most field goals in NCAA history, 96 out of 116 attempts. He's seven of nine over 50 yards, arguably the best kicker in college football last year. And given our situation with Blair Walsh coming in, the other player that we got, you know, for competition, I thought Zane could really push Blair Walsh for that starting spot. And that's what we want out of camp. And if, and if he emerged, it'd be a, you know, a less expensive way to go. Blair is only signed for one year. This would be a, a, a four year contract. And um, that's why I, I put his name down. Yeah, for me, I was down to my last pick. I kind of I was out of guys that I was comfortable with how much I had scouted them, uh, you know, as trying to pick out a, a another project or whatever. And I went with a guy simply because I did not want Blair Walsh as the Seahawks kicker if I can avoid it because, well, we saw what happened when he was in Minnesota. So, um, yep. and the thing about uh, Gonzalez that I like more than just, you know, his the fact that he's he's hit a, a lot of field goals and is is fairly accurate from long range is that if you look at his kickoffs uh, over the four years that he was in college they got progressively longer uh his touch or touchback rate got better every year he was kicking him deeper into the end zone at the end at the end he was kicking him out of the end zone you know through, so they they weren't even catchable and this is so you got a guy who's improving he's obviously um uh, someone who is comfortable in the weight rooms, getting stronger. And I, I just really like that. He's not a guy that's, that's going to 
you know, taper off the way Blair Walsh has done since joining the NFL. I think he's going to at least stay where he is or maybe get better. It just kind of reminded me of Stephen Hauschka in that way. And so I just thought it was a good fit. I totally agree. And that wraps it. I mean, that wraps our draft, which I thought both of us actually did a really good job on, uh, on gaining value by, by moving back similar to, I think what the Seahawks will probably try to do. Um, they may not, I mean, it may end up being, they come out of the draft with seven picks. I highly doubt it, but it could happen. Um, out of 10 picks, I got a kicker, two offensive players, no, three offensive players and a kicker and then six defensive players. So that'll give you a little bit of an idea of, uh, of how I think the, what the Seahawks are going to do and what the depth and talent in this particular draft is. Yours is a lot more balanced as far as offense and defense and everything. Yeah, but so. I did end up with with three corners. I did want a safety. Yeah, just it just didn't happen for me. I mean, uh, Melifuanu was gone. I I was looking at him. Uh, I was trying to to get either him or Bowser to come out of that uh, number seventeen spot in the second round, and uh, Melifuanu came off the board right before my pick, and so uh, Bowser was there, and and I had to take him, but. Um, other than that, I was pretty happy with, with my draft overall. Yeah, it's a really good tight end draft. And you got a guy who might be one of the be- might be the best one, but he's dropped, he dropped because he's hurt. And I didn't get one at all. And I, at the end of my draft, when I was done, I was like, hmm, that might, might've been a mistake. Cause if you've got a really good, it's like any team that does not come out of this draft with a cornerback probably screwed up. Because this is a really good cornerback draft. And I felt the same way about tight end. This is a good tight end draft. And usually finding a tight end is hard. And I didn't get think, one. So I felt like I that might have been a mistake. Rob Staten said that uh, he thought there were uh, 22 corners with first or second round grades. Wow. See, I don't have that many. I think I have 16 uh, that, are, that are day yeah. one, day two. And then I've got, but I've got another 10 or 11. 12 that I think are draftable, you know, on top of that. So there, this is a really deep cornerback draft. Uh, the Seahawks need to get two. And so they got two in mine. They got three in yours, but they're all good players. All, you know, all those picks were good picks in my mind. So, so quickly before I leave, I wanted to, to share with you Todd McShay's three around mock just to, so we could kind of compare a little bit. So, in his uh, and this is without any trade backs. He just has five picks for us in the first three rounds. Uh, Malik McDowell, defensive tackle, was his first pick at twenty six. Taylor Moten, another guy that we definitely considered in this draft, just wasn't available where I was picking uh, at, in the second round pick. The third round, he had Derek Rivers again, a, a pick that uh, Keith had. Uh, in the fourth round, he had Rasul Douglas, cornerback. That was the pick that I had. And then the f- uh, fifth pick uh, overall, uh, third round, Zach Banner, offensive tackle. Hmm. So he had, you know, he's got similar players, similar profiles, yeah, similar value up and down without the trade back. So I don't, I, I don't like the last pick, uh, but the other four, I'm okay with. Like if, if. If the Seahawks go that route and get those four players, I would probably be, be okay. Um, yeah. Tyler Moten is a guy that I scouted and actually wrote up on the site. And it's another small school guy, kind of a project, but he's one of the few guys in this draft that are offensive tackles that can stick at offensive tackle. Most of the offensive tackles uh, in this draft will end up at guard. 
uh, is that's my opinion. And, and Moten's a small school guy, a little bit of a project, but he has the talent to stick. He may not be ready to play in year one, but I think he will be a, an NFL uh, starter at offensive tackle. So that I would be totally okay with the, if the Seahawks go that route. So before we completely wrap up, are there any other players that you missed out on um, when you were doing your mock that you wish that you had? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I personally wanted, uh, I I was looking hard at TJ Watt. That was a guy that I really thought athletically, I want him on our team. He would be a perfect fit. Yeah, TJ Watt's a guy I like. I I think TJ Watt's though going to sneak in at the end of the first round. Uh, Even though talent-wise, he's probably a mid-second guy, but the Watt name is going to draw people. And so I I think he'll sneak in at the end. Um, Marlon Humphrey is a guy that I, I really like. He's another cornerback, but I went, Oh, we got Kevin King and Humphrey went, I think, with, with pick like 17 overall. Yep. So he went went earlier. Obviously, uh, Garrett Bowles is a guy I'd look at. Same with Forrest Lamp uh, on the offensive line in round one. But at the same time, both of them have question marks. But man, their tape is really good. So it's hard to weigh the question marks versus what you see when you watch the tape. So those are a couple of guys. Um I had a slightly smaller corner too that I was looking at. Quincy Wilson um, looks extremely fluid, and his hips are really loose on tape. He he, and he's got a kind of a swagger. He looks like a Seahawks corner. Um, yeah, I just me, don't know where to put him. I don't know if he's like a, a late first or a second or possibly even top a third. He's kind of all over the board for me. Well, it, it, the hard part for me is just his lack of length. So he's a slot corner in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. not a guy that you can stick on the outside in Seattle's defense. And so I devalue him a little bit because of that, But because I, I base my boards based on the Seahawks. Uh, whereas if you're not running Seattle's defense, if you're running like Pittsburgh's or New England's, man, that's a good player. And so he's going to be a lot higher on, on those teams. So Where do you I, think Sidney Jones is going to go? Uh, I think he's going to go late too. Uh, maybe the top of the third because he's not going to play in, in 2017. He, you're, you're, this is a player you're picking for the 2018 season, but he was a top 20 pick before his injury. And you got a chance to get a player with that much talent. And he was, let me, ref- let me, let me reemphasize this. This was a top 20 player in a cornerback that is super deep and talented at his position. Yeah, possibly the the number one or number two corner out of the entire draft. Yeah, I mean, he's that good. I mean, okay, he's a little skinny for my taste because I think he's only like 186 pounds, but his tape is phenomenal. And I I really thought he's going to go somewhere 17, 18, somewhere in that range and before, he got, before his injury. And now he's going to miss an entire season, so he's going to drop... And he'll drop to a team that has a lot of picks, uh, like uh, Cleveland. Cleveland is a good spot because I think they have 11 picks right now. Yep. And so somewhere the, the first pick in the third round uh, range, uh, you know, Cleveland, because they've got, a, they've got roster spots. So, you know, they'll pick him up knowing that if they wait a year, they've got a guy with starter talent. So I, I, I could definitely see that being where he goes. Is there, is there any way that the Seahawks end up with him in any scenario that you can see? Yeah, I could see. If you look at our draft after the trade back, if uh, a guy like 
Aleko Witherspoon is gone and there's nobody sitting there at the top of the third round that they like, you know, so Adoree Jackson's yep. also gone, uh, who's yep. the player that you picked. And so they're kind of in that range. They go, okay, we were going to take a corner there anyway, but both of them are gone. Let's go get, uh, let's go get Sid and stick him in there. And okay, he won't be ready this year, uh, but we don't need him this year. We need him next year. So let's go ahead That's and get true, him too. because he's that good. So I could see that happening. We'll see. It kind of just depends on how everything drops. Awesome. So that kind of wraps up our mock. Yeah, upcoming podcasts uh, before the draft, we're going to focus on uh, a little bit more on uh, Seattle's needs, uh, maybe uh, focus on five, six players at the top end of the draft where Seattle uh, would be looking, uh, guys that can come in and make an immediate impact either as a starter or a significant um, backup. And then uh, the uh, podcast right before the draft, we're going to do a pre-draft podcast um, and and focus on what are we going to focus on, Keith, on that one? Uh, really... I, you told me you told me yesterday and I can't remember. <laughs> so actually what you were just describing, I think, is what we're going to do in that one, the pre-draft podcast. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, what we some, get some actual names identified to. Uh, who to watch for, who to look for, you know, so we can really just focus in on, on some names for the first two days. Uh, sea hockey ne- type players. Definitely sea hockey type players. Next week, I think we're going to go down and we're going to just look more at what the Seahawks needs are versus what the overall um, draft class looks like. So obviously the Seahawks need an offensive tackle, but there there aren't a lot of offensive tackles in this draft. So we'll kind of look at, at some of those details and, and go through some of, of how that those kind of things work and uh, how it will affect the formation of a draft board. And then after the draft, of course, we'll have a, a really nice draft review podcast, which will uh, showcase all of our new players, which is going to be an, an amazing, fun podcast. I'm already anticipating that one. That's going to be great. Yeah, everyone gets to listen to me drool about all the tape I watched. So uh, <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you have any uh, questions this week out of the mailbag, or are uh, we good? We're actually good. I didn't have any good ones that I felt would would make a good uh, addition to the show. Okay. So, so gotta remember, you... we got to remember to ask for them too. We need to, we need some uh, submissions. Yeah, so definitely, everybody, uh, if you're still listening at the end of this podcast, send me some questions for next week's mailbag. Awesome. So I had fun. It was a good show. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, to next week. We had a couple of recording uh, issues this this week. It seems like we put those behind us. Hey, I'll take it. Uh, (laughs) I owe you a beer for hanging in with me. (laughs) I'm not going to say I'm not going to say no to a beer. So let's let's make that happen. (laughs) Okay. All right. So until next time, Keith, thank you so much. Yep. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye. The Hawks Playbook Podcast is brought to you by the Fan Sighted Network and 12thManRising.com. Find our podcast on the website or subscribe on iTunes. You can find both Bill and Keith on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL.